Hello, Mo. How are you? Hey, Ian. I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I was wondering, and I, I'm hoping you can walk me through this, the Meng Wanzhou Huawei extradition hearing in the BC Supreme Court right now. There's so much I don't understand. Can I tell you what I understand, and, and maybe you can help me out in terms of figuring this thing out? Far away, buddy. Okay, so here's the part that I understand. December 2018, Canada arrests Miss Meng, the CFO of Huawei, the telecoms giant. And they arrest her as part of an extradition request from the United States, from the Department of Justice. And it was out of an Obama administration investigation into Huawei. Now, the allegations are that Huawei defrauded HSBC Bank and other banks in the United States in breach of the U.S. sanctions on Iran. So, from my understanding, Canada is not charging her with a crime, but pursuant to the extradition treaty between us and the U.S., we had to follow up with the arrest request. Yep. The part that I don't understand is, what exactly is this extradition hearing that's happening in the Supreme Court right now, the B.C. Supreme Court, I should say, and, and what's the purpose? I mean, we arrested her on behalf of the Americans, so why can't we just turn her over to the Americans and clap our hands clean of this whole affair? Well, sure. I mean, I think it would be, um, it would be uh, possible for Ms. Mung to simply agree to go to the United States and face trial in New York on fraud charges. But it's her right, um, after having been arrested here, to challenge the extradition, as it is the right of anyone who's, um, who, who's arrested on an extradition warrant. Um, and her lawyers are arguing that um, this case uh, just doesn't stand up to, uh, to, to, to an extraditable offence on all sorts of grounds. Um, they're basically throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. Uh, and she's got a whole bunch of uh, very expensive lawyers. So they're, they're really, you know, they're, they're really trying everything. So this is different than a trial, right? Like you're saying, we're not trying sure. to prove that she's guilty of the charges as laid out by the Americans. We're just trying to prove that this was a fair extradition request. That's right. I mean, it's not up to Justice Heather Holmes in the BC Supreme Court to try and decide whether or not Meng Wanzhou is guilty of fraud. What she has to do instead is to, um, uh, is to rule on the various arguments that Meng's lawyers have thrown up to say that this is not something that she can be extradited over, and then also to decide whether or not the Crown who is representing the U.S. interests, whether or not the Crown has got sufficiency. And what sufficiency is, is adequate evidence to support the charge. That's not the same as saying guilty or not guilty. It's just adequate <clears throat> evidence to support the charge of fraud. Um, so there's a number of things that, that Heather Holmes will have to rule on. So one of the things that Miss Mung's defense has brought up is that Donald Trump, the president of the U.S., has politicized this whole affair. And I think Trump did say at one point that, you know, Ms. Meng could be a, a negotiation tool or tactic in the context of a trade deal with China. What I don't understand is that Canada hasn't politicized this. We're just carrying out the extradition as per our treaty with the U.S. So wouldn't the politicization be brought up in a U.S. court when she is up for trial? Like, why does Trump's politicization matter here in Canada? Well, because um, uh, that's one of the platforms of the arguments by Mung's lawyers that um, Ms. Mung has been um, subjected to an abusive process. And because of the abusive process, the alleged abusive process, uh, mm -hmm. this case should be thrown out in its entirety, this extradition case. Now, there's three platforms to that, the, the allegations of an abusive process. One, 
um, the idea that this whole case is a political frame-up. You know, mm -hmm. and that Trump's comments from back in December when he said that he might intervene in the case prove that. Now, the other, the, the, the other aspect, the other alleged abusive process is that um, Ms Monk supposedly was unlawfully treated when she was arrested at, at Vancouver's airport back in December um, mm. and that she was subjected to an illegal and covert um, uh, search and interrogation at the airport by Canadian border officers who were actually acting on behalf of the US FBI as part of an investigation. And there's a third platform, a third platform of this alleged abusive process in which um, Mung's lawyers claim that the US has actually misrepresented the evidence uh, in their summaries and records of the case that they presented to the Canadian court. And, they'll, and the Canadian courts and, and Justice Heather Holmes will use those summaries um, uh, to, to help make, the, make her ruling. Um, so there's those three various platforms of abuse the other, the other aspect of the case, the aspect that's already been dealt with, is one argument by Mung's lawyers that um, the charges didn't meet the standard of double criminality, which mm -hmm. is to say that um, anyone who is extradited from Canada must be accused of something that would, represent, would have represented a crime in Canada if it had been committed here. Um, her lawyers said that she wasn't. Her lawyers said that she was actually accused of um, breaching US sanctions, which is not a crime. But the Crown and the Americans uh, say, well, no, she's actually accused of fraud. And uh, Heather Holmes agreed with that. And, and that, that aspect of the argument has been dealt with and rejected. That's right. And that's also where I'm confused. So I, I know that, I think it was May 27th or it was late May, where that platform was dealt with. Yep. Uh, the, the ruling was that, as you said, these are fraud charges. So uh, it's not double criminality, or it is double criminality, I guess. In this case. Yeah, it meets the double yeah. criminality standard. So it, it meets that standard. So the three other platforms that you mentioned before that, mm. are they having to go through their own process then, just like this one did? Like, yeah. are they going by platform by platform, or how does this work? Yeah, that's right. What's going to happen over the next year, and we're talking about something that will probably drag on until, um, you know, March or May or the middle of next year now because of COVID. Wow. Um, yeah, I know it's a long process. Um, uh, those three arguments about abusive process need to be dealt with um, and scheduled in, in, in with court hearings between now and, and the end of the end of the proceedings, and then um, also um, the the crown is going to have to prove su sufficiency, going to have to prove that it's got adequate evidence to support the charge of fraud. All of those things have to be dealt with one at a time. Now, at any stage, Heather Holmes, the the judge in the case, could say, well. Mung's lawyers, you've proved your case. You have proved that this is, in fact, an abusive process. And I'm going to throw the case out. Mm -hmm. That was what um, many people expected, at least many people on Mung Wanjiao's side expected uh, um, last month with the double criminality proceeding. You might remember that Mung Wanjiao and her, um, her, her posse turned up on the BC Supreme Court and, and did a little photo session where <laughs> thumbs up and things like that. And that appeared yeah. to be in the expectation that she might be going home. Now, that didn't happen. Um, so, it, but at, at various stages, Heather Holmes is going to look at these arguments as they're mounted and decide, is this enough to throw out the case? Is this enough um, uh, for the case to be quashed and for Mung Wanjiao to be released? 
So am I to understand that Ms. Mung's defense team basically went 0 for 1 on double criminality, but basically they have three more shots to, to not have her extradited to the U.S.? That's right. They've got three more abusive process shots, at least. Um, uh, the, as I said about the, the, you know, the unlawful treatment at the airport, the, is it a political frame-up? Has the U.S. misrepresented evidence? And is it so egregious that that should be thrown out? And can they add more platforms or is this going um, to be it? Well, I mean, they've had quite a long time to put together their case. I mean, the, the third, uh, third plank of the abuse process only arose um, uh, very recently in the last couple of last few weeks hmm. um, as a result of late evidence that was furnished to, um, to uh, Mung's lawyers from, from the Crown. Because, you know, the Crown is, um, you know, fighting tooth and nail about what evidence should be turned over as well. And various mm -hmm. evidence is quite sensitive in this case. You know, the, the Crown had been arguing that various evidence was uh, subject to national security protections and, and couldn't be spoken about in court. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, one two-page document that was eventually forwarded to Mung's lawyers is a, a, CSIS, um, a CSIS report on this case. Now, Mung's lawyers say this CSIS report, which talks about the various levels of cooperation between Canada and the FBI, um, proves um, that there was an abusive process. That's one, that's the third platform of this abuse um, uh, argument that was recently added. Right. So let's say we go through all the platforms, everything goes through the process, and Ms. Mung's defense lawyers fail. At that point, is she then handed over to the Americans? No. <laughs> because well because because i mean canada um, um will afford her the option of appealing and i have no doubt that ms mung will certainly appeal if she loses this case i mean the crown may well appeal too if they lose um and so what we're looking at is something that could last for years you know wow. this is, when we talk about this case stretching on until march or may next year that's just to deal with the with this hearing and to get a ruling from heather Holmes. It could be appealed. And we've seen cases, uh, extradition cases, that have dragged on for, you know, almost 10 years. Wow. Now, <laughs> we, we, as I said, you know, we've got, we've got all sorts of arguments that need to be dealt with, but it is an incredibly complex case that's being mounted. And um, there, there are no shortage of lawyers. Let's put it that way. You know, you look at the, the, um, the high-powered lawyers that are lined up on Meng Wanzhou's side, and uh, it's quite quite impressive. You know, you've got Richard Peck, the Air India um, Air India lawyer. You've got mm -hmm. um, David Martins, you know, Scott Fenton, all sorts of top lawyers who are lined up on her side. And then you've got all of her corporate lawyers that are also on the sidelines. And then you've got some top figures uh, it, it, on on the Crown's side, guys like Robert Freighter. Um, so you know, you've got some. It's a really high powered case. In addition to being very legally complicated, you've got a whole bunch of lawyers who are being very well compensated, at least on Mung's side, uh, to mount the best possible argument um, to, to, to get her out of Canada and back to China, not to the United mm -hmm. States. And to be clear, the only person or team, I should say, that can shorten this process is Ms. Mung. If she just decides, you know what, let's go to trial in the U.S., it's only up to her, right? It's not like anyone else has power. Can the U.S. pull the, the extradition request at any point? It, it, it could, but I don't think it will. Um, and I should say too, you know, even eventually when, when this case is finally dealt with, it will be ultimately up to the minister 
up to the minister, whoever the minister of justice is at that time, um, to decide whether or not to to proceed with the actual extradition. So <laughs> it's a multi-layer process. It's a very multi-layered process. It's not a simple matter as you know, the United States saying we want Meng Wanzhou and then we just comply and hand her over. Right. Could be. I mean, she could go. I mean, she maybe maybe one day she'll get sick of sick of sitting in the mansion and and decide that she wants she she wants this process over with. Um, I don't think it's likely, but um, she sure she could she could go. <laughs> So I guess what's interesting to me is a lot of people say how we have judicial independence and we can't have political interference in this process. But what you're saying is that once the extradition treaty is over, however many years that might take, then it actually does go to someone in that political realm, the Minister of Justice. Yeah, the minister does have to sign off on it ultimately. Um, it would be an extremely big deal, though, if Heather Holmes um, uh, endorses or agrees to um, uh, extradition and then for a minister to, um, to quash that. That would be a very big deal. So what strikes me as really interesting is this predates the Trump presidency. Trump said something that kind of politicized it a little bit, but the hearing will then extend beyond his presidency. Possibly. Yes, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I think, as I said, it's a complicated, there's a complicated set of arguments there. Um, I don't think, I mean... The moment that Donald Trump said what he said back in December, which was that, um, you know, if it was in U.S. economic interests, he might intervene. If it helped them win the trade war with China, he might intervene mm -hmm. in the case. Mung's lawyers seized on that the moment that he said that. You know, it was a, a really quite a shocking blunder uh, from yeah. a legal perspective. I don't think that Donald Trump really was thinking terribly hard about the, uh, the rights and wrongs of a Canadian extradition process when he said mm -hmm. what he said to the Reuters news agency. Um, but, but yeah, her lawyers really pounced on that and they've been banging on away about that for quite a long time. And when it is formally dealt with, uh, we'll be hearing a lot more about that. And that's a, a really interesting part of the trial, part of the, uh, the hearing rather. Mm -hmm. Now, what are the implications for Canada? We've definitely seen China allegedly hit back uh, in retaliation on some of our exports. Uh, they recently hinted that maybe some of the logs that get exported from Canada to China had pests in them. Uh, of course, they've apparently or allegedly detained Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig in retaliation. Mm. Uh, politically, we can't intervene in this judicial process, but we continue to feel the hammer of political repercussions from China. So does this really put us in a bad spot for the next decade and beyond? It does, but that's kind of the breaks if, if you have, um, you know, a, a separation of the powers as we do here in Canada. We can't have Justin Trudeau or minister or whoever, um, you know, turning the screws on Heather Holmes and saying, let her go, because that mm -hmm. would suit our, our short-term, um, you know, geopolitical interests or, or not or whatever. Um, but from China's point of view, I think that a, a lot of people in China and perhaps even in the Chinese government um, look at the process here and don't quite believe that there is that sort of independence. Um, they, <laughs> they can see that um, they can see that um, uh, that if they put on pressure, that maybe somehow Justin Trudeau is going to, or whoever is going to prevail upon Heather Holmes to rule in their favour and to release Meng Wanzhou. That's I just don't think that's going to happen. That's just not the way things work here. But they've been turning on the screws. You're absolutely right. Poor old Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig, they've been banged up in, in um, Chinese prison somewhere since December 2018 in what mm -hmm. looks to be a clear case of hostage-taking. 
Um, you know, we've seen uh, Canadian exports of soy, canola, beef, pork, all those things. They've all been either um, they've been frozen or they've been delayed um, mm-hmm. uh, in a manner that suggests that this is retaliation. You look at soy, for instance. I mean, exports to China are down like 97%. And now we've got China talking about um, the supposed discoveries of, of, of pests, of beetles in Canadian timber. And the subtext is, does this mean that China is now going to curb imports of Canadian timber as a result of the Meng Wanzhou proceedings? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, it, there are all sorts of um, ways that China can put pressure on Canada, but does that put pressure on Heather Holmes? I don't think so. Hmm. What about repercussions from the other side, from the Americans? If this extradition treaty doesn't go off successfully, do you think that there are going to be political repercussions from them? Oh, I, I don't think so. I think the Americans at least can understand that um, that Canada has a, a independent um, independent judiciary. Now, if if the minister, if a minister at some stage decides uh, not to send her back, to send her to the not to send her to the United States in defiance of of a Canadian court ruling, now that really would be something, and that would possibly be a damaging incident. But again, as I said, I don't think that's very likely. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the Americans have actually said, since Donald Trump put his foot in his mouth, I think that the Americans have actually said very, very little about this case. And that's the right way to deal with it. I mean, this isn't something that should be litigated um, by uh, by the big geopolitical forces. This is something that is in the courts right here, right now. It's being dealt with by Heather Holmes. Um, and I think that were the Americans to, um, uh, to get too mouthy about it, too lippy about what's going on here, that would just just add further fuel to the argument that this is a political frame-up, that this is a politicised process that Meng Wanzhou is being subjected to. Very interesting, Ian. You, you've explained a lot in a short amount of time, and it makes so much more sense to me now. It's a really interesting case, and I really strongly recommend that people follow this, because, um, you know, we're distracted by COVID-19, mm-hmm. but this case is really the cutting edge of the vast geopolitical changes that the world is going through, and yeah. which I mean the rise of China, the relative decline of the United States and Canada stuck in the middle. Um, you know, that's not to say it's not a legal or, or, or just legal process, but it's um, really a, an amazing distillation of all of those incredible forces that have been building for the past 20 or 30 years. Well, you've definitely uh, cultivated a new appreciation for this case uh, from my end. So I appreciate you explaining it to me. And uh, I really look forward to reading more of your updates in the South China Morning Post, especially now that I have a better grasp of, of what's happening here. No problem. Mo. You have a great day. Thanks so much, Ian. Take care. Cheers. Bye now. 